Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. Hey, everybody, it's Walker Vreeland here. Uh, please forgive me for being a week late with this episode. Normally, I would not indulge my personal business like this, but I want you to know that were it not a true life and death situation, this podcast would be on time. So, you know, this week we're bringing you part two of Milton's conversation with actor Chris Carmack at the Culture Connection at Queens Library in New York City. So, yeah, the reason that this was supposed to come out last week and it didn't, and the reason is I, Walker Vreeland, your humble producer, am in the middle of trying to get a liver transplant. (laughs) I wish it were a joke. I wish it were funny. I laugh because if I don't, I'll cry. Not only am I trying to get a liver transplant, I'm trying to get listed at as many transplant centers as possible because not everyone will do this operation. It's a long story, but look, I just wanted to give you what I think is a valid excuse. So anyway, yes, this week we bring you part two of uh, Milton Justice and Chris Carmack together. Um, This series is moderated by Taylor Perdee. Uh, You know Chris Carmack from Grey's Anatomy and uh, Nashville and the OC. He's very hunky, wonderful actor. Anyway, um, enjoy. And we might take a break after this episode, just so I can figure out how to stay alive before we come back with uh, season five. I should probably talk to Milton about this before I make this announcement. Jesus Christ. Anyway, hope you're all well. Thanks for listening. Here's uh, this week's episode of I Don't Need an Acting Class. Enjoy. I think at some particular point, if you're an actor, you want to really act. And, and, you know, there's a difference between one for them and one for me. Mm. And so periodically you want to do one for you. And uh, quite honestly, I think the reason to have a technique and to really find what the tools are is that, you know, if you suddenly decide you want to do a Broadway play, as many television people have, they're not very good. Mm. Because they've never exercised this particular skill set. I mean, I I keep thinking your talent is like part of your brain, part of your soul, part of these things, and you exercise it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, to me, Stella always said your talent is in your choices. That's something you exercise. You don't just suddenly make good choices. I mean, I was certainly not one of the better actors at the school, but the fact is... I got very good at making choices. Now, I got good at making choices because I've been teaching for 30 years, and every time an actor works, I, I, I work with them and give them some other alternatives. But it's like a muscle that you've exercised. So I think that a lot of it is that if you don't exercise these muscles, hmm. they really do atrophy. 
or you never find them. And then all of a sudden, one day you say, you know what? I just, I, I want to do something. I have all the money in the bank. And so I want to do something. And oddly enough, well, I hate to be the prophet of doom, but it's too late. <laughs> mm. We're going to, we're going to take questions in a, in a second, but I think it's worth mentioning Milton that uh, you had a, a big career producing documentaries. Your, your Academy Award is for one of those. I'm curious if, those experiences impacted your views of acting after watching those people be real people and also kind of be directed by the situation and by you and Grant over those five films. Yes. The thing that I found in documentaries were twofold. One, how interesting real people in conflict are. And I mean, if you were to look at what is the definition of a play, it is a character in conflict. You can almost cut to the chase by saying, you know, where's the problem? Mm. And so you're watching people with problems. And it's fascinating uh, in documentaries. Documentaries are very well edited. But it, but also, I mean, with documentaries, I mean, my God, documentaries these days are shot on video. We were shooting on film. And even then, for a 50-minute documentary, we had like 23 hours of footage. So we're editing it down to the gold. And in an odd sense, you do that as an actor. You think about choices, you think about choices, you think about choices. I have this thing in class. Somebody else, I'll say, so what do you think about that? And they'll build it. And I'll say, or just to get people to keep looking for other choices. And then you keep, you shop, you shop for choices. And then hopefully you come up with the best one. But I mean, I think that's the thing in documentaries. I mean, we were so blessed with the, uh, first of all, Lee Graham is an amazing person to question. I mean, oh, yeah. as an actress, I mean, this is what I found. She was, she is an actress. And so what she did was kind of enter the role of the person she was interviewing and ask questions of them that she would have asked herself if she were playing the part. Yeah. And I, I think that's what made the kind of depth of the interviews definitely i mean the 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 interview her ability to talk to those people and get those things out of them i mean th there's a shot uh, we have to move on from those but there's a sequence where she interviews one of the manson girls and that is one of the most fascinating things in, in all the films and like we could talk about that forever but i mean just like take a moment to imagine interviewing in prison one of the manson girls how do you get them to open up but like it would make sense that it would, it would take an actor someone who really understood that like way into other humans to make it work um, okay, so our first question is pretty straightforward. How could um, a director use this um, for, deal for uh, dealing with and understanding where their actors are coming from? Because, I mean, Milton, you've, you've been on both sides of that. Well, here's something that I learned along the way is that directors have no idea what actors do. That is so frequently so true. Yes. I mean, they just, it, it is like, it is not only scary territory for them, but it is also intimidating. I gave a weekend seminar in New Zealand of uh, acting for directors, for film directors, basically. And I thought, who's going to come to that? It was jammed. 
And it was all the simplest things. People, directors do not know what actors do. My friend Albert Poland, who wrote the most brilliant book called Stages, which was about his life starting in like the 50s or 60s as a manager and producer on Broadway. And he said, uh, he said, I read your book and I thought to myself, I could never be an actor. It's too hard. <laughs> That's, that's a good Which point. Which is its own kind of appreciation, I think. Definitely. You know, do, Definitely. You think there's, do you think there's anything to uh, your whole your whole point is like you you can write down questions, but you have to speak out the answers. Um, is is part of that like for a director maybe helping point them in the directions of what what thoughtful questions they could help the actor ask, and then say your homework is. I, I think that's that. yeah. Mm. Yes, because I, I, I can tell you. Over my many years in a career now, I know you say you hate effect notes, getting an effect note, but an effect note can actually be very useful as long as, as long as the director understands that now it's your job to fill it up. And a director can tell me faster, okay? And I'm not going to just do it faster. I'm going to come up with a reason it's going to happen faster. I remember a horrible story about you. I don't know if I have it in the book or not. But you were doing an episode of the Superman series? Smallville. Oh, Smallville. Yeah. Yeah, you were doing an episode, and you said to me, you said the director had this really annoying thing that he Don't did. Don't tell on me, Milton. Don't tell on me. <laughs> <laughs> and but, but just when he'd say... It oh, just, yes! Yes! Yeah, just oh, when yes. you were starting to do something, he'd say, all right, camera's rolling, sound, and then he'd go... Now, intense oh, yeah. action. Oh, yeah. No, I remember what it was. What, like, I'm getting ready for the scene, right? I'm getting ready for the scene. We got, we've, we've, we've slated. Sound is rolling. We're getting ready. And he goes, more anguish. Action. <laughs> oh, my God. That would I suck, know, man. I can say without a doubt, one of the least helpful things a director has ever done to me in my career. I'd love, I, I actually, someday, I, I think I have to do, we have to do an article or something of actors telling stories of yeah. the worst direction they've ever gotten. Yeah. I mean, that was a great question that somebody asked earlier about how can you use this uh, as a director? Because you're so right. So frequently directors have never had to be on that side of it. I mean, we've all seen something absurd like that. But if, with just the, the smallest bit of understanding, those like we could come closer together, but I mean the the distance, and I, I think this is both like because on set they are distance, but also in culture, little boys who want to grow up to be a director, little girls who want to grow up to be a director, uh, aren't aren't always the same kids that wanted to be actors, and the film schools rarely very rarely let you deal with actors until you're deeper into it, and it causes problems all the time. And I really do think that the simplicity of the book, because so many of the things you, you talk about in the book are things that are caused by the realities of being on set. There are things that you would never think to be concerned about if you were a director. I can vouch for that. There are things that I would never think to be concerned about as a director in this. But the minute I think about it from the side of somebody who has to you know, be there and get hit by those lights and have more anguish, I realize, shit, man, yeah. Yeah, I should, I should be concerned about that. Milton, we've got a question about um, 
about the Oscar and the Emmy in the back. Can you tell us what? Oh, uh, oh what, can you see those? <laughs> oh my God, what a mistake. Um, what you won them for. And uh, do you remember who the other nominees were in any of those years? Um, no. The documentary was the documentary that Lee Grant directed, Down and Out in America. Uh-huh. And the Emmy is a daytime Emmy for an after-school special. And, and I realized something in this conversation, and I thought everything I produced was directed by an actor. And, and, and I realized how spoiled I was because, I, I mean, the first films that I, I produced were all directed by Lee Grant. And then Lee didn't want to do the after-school special. And so Joe Fury, my partner, and I decided to ask Catlin, also an actor. And then oh. later, I, I produced a movie called Losing Chase that Kevin Bacon directed. Kevin Bacon directed it. And wow. So, and so it all, it's, it's like I was walking into a situation of a director who acted and knew everything good that, act, that directors had done, everything bad that directors had done. That's a great point. Yeah, and I mean, so the actor-director was walking in with this vast knowledge of directors and also being an actor knew how to talk to actors. Mm. Um, that is actually... Uh, Lee, Lee Grant talks a lot about um, the acting training that she'd had. She'd been a neighborhood playhouse gal. Um, she had not been a Strasbourg gal. Um, but uh, somebody here is wondering how you guys feel about the uh, Lee Strasberg's corner of the Stanislavski deviations. Um, the Strasberg training is quite possibly too personal. Hmm. It's too reliant on yourself, and and I has never made sense to me. I mean, I've been part of these arguments forever. It's like using yourself, and it just always would seem so limiting. I have to say, when I was acting, uh, which was not particularly monumental, but I explained to somebody, I said, first of all, when I was growing up, I was a fat kid, so I always played old people. So Mm -hmm. I never played anything like myself. And then I said, later in life, I don't think I liked myself that much. So I really wasn't going to go to my life for anything. And so it was never such a problem. My feeling is that the difference between Stella and Strasbourg is that Stella taught us to come up to the size of the play, to the level of the play. And I felt with Strasbourg, the play was being pulled down to the level of, of the actor. And so my problem with that is as life goes on and people become less and less interesting, to go to your own life is probably not the most fabulous place to go. Can I, yeah. can I offer yeah, something uh, that I've actually never even discussed with you, Milton, because I'm terribly embarrassed? Um, so I, I I kind of agree with Milton a lot about the Strasbourg, the emotional recall 
aspect of it, taking you out of the circumstances of the play. And and in some ways being a result-oriented, like emotional trick you play on yourself. I don't understand it in its entirety. I haven't done a whole lot of research. I've just noticed that it hasn't worked for me. But I have stolen one little thing about it because in television, we oftentimes have very casual, quick references to other people in our lives and in our history. Like, for example, I had a line in Grey's Anatomy where like, you know, and then you hooked me up with Bronwyn and she broke my heart. And, you know, and then I and, and I'm and I'm moving on to something else. And it's like, I don't have time to build Bronwyn. <laughs> That's, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't have time to do, it's like, it's not an important line. It's not an important thing. It's not, it's nothing that's going to come back or whatever. So I'll like, I'll be like, okay, which, which X am I going to use? And, mm, and mm. so I don't, I don't alter the circumstances of the play. I name her Bronwyn. I make her Bronwyn, you know, and I keep, the, I keep that world, but it's, it's a, it's like, it's a cheap trick and it's a little bit shorthand, but I do use it sometimes. I would never use, I would never use it in a play. Does that make sense? No, yes. How do you, how do you yeah. feel about that? Yeah. yeah. No. No. I, I, <laughs> I listen. I, I I keep going through what is the talent of an actor, and I think one of the talents of an actor is being able to figure out what needs the investment, right, and mm. what doesn't. And so that's one of those things. It's a throwaway line. She broke my heart. And the relationship with the person I was speaking to was much more important. Required much more of my time and energy. And I felt like that, that settled the Bronwyn thing. It was something that happened 20 years ago in my character's life, you know. I, I do also think, uh, I know my, fr my friend Marie Danvers, who's this wonderful, wonderful actress, singer, and we both taught together. And Marie was in an international tour of West Side Story playing Maria. And the director, uh, who had been the assistant on the original, say, now when when they come in and tell you that Tony killed Bernardo, I want you to cry. <laughs> and, and so Marie said, all I could do is imagine that my father had died. And so she said, and every night they came in and they said, Maria, Tony has killed Nardo. And she said, then I'd suddenly think about my father dying and I'd start crying. And she said, it took me out of the play. Mm. And I think that's another danger. Uh, I, I I think that's another danger of it. I, I I think too too often it's used for an effect. Right. I mean, I feel sorry for actors anyway who all seem to want to know. So how do I cry? And I said, well, you take methylene methylene and put it under your eyes, and it will make your eye. You know, it's like somehow or another being able to cry. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I. I, I would never use it for an effect. I'd use this, I'd build, if I needed, if, if I needed something big to happen in a scene, I would do the work that you talk about in the book. I would build the past, I'd build the characters and all that stuff. Yeah. It's just like, you know how when people are coding sometimes and they just need to borrow a little code from something else and you know, we're just gonna use that. Like if it's, if it's a non-essential part, eh, I'll cheat sometimes. So uh, I wanna ask you guys just one more. It's the classic and always important question. Any advice for people starting out, trying to build that, that lattice work of a career um, from either of your perspectives, both of your perspectives? 
Maybe there is no advice. Maybe it's no. I, well, I mean, I I just think you need the tools. I mean, if you know, to me, if you were going to be a tennis player, you would have to know a forehand. You'd have to know a backhand. You'd have to know how to serve. I mean, it's just there are tools, and you know, then when you know what you're doing and the ducks line up, and also you really, really have to know it's a long haul. I mean, it, it really is a long haul. Uh, Chris and I were, were sharing an apartment in Los Angeles when he was first there. Oh, my God. I just, you know, it was months. He, he got great reviews and a play I directed him in and got a manager. But months went by. And I could tell when he'd been out and auditioning because he would be so depressed and it was month after month after month after month. And, you know, you have to take on board the concept of rejection mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and just say, okay, that's part of it. And I know very, very few people who are healthy about it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's very, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But back to Milton's, original point like if i if i was offering any advice i would say find a great teacher that you respond to once you find what you respond to you can find a teacher that is based in that technique and start doing scene studies and start doing work with other people and that's that's where you start where it takes you is is anybody's guess but um it could take you to a, a great like local theater company where you start doing some fantastic work that gets recognized and leads to other opportunities. But um, as they say in Hollywood, work begets work. So, um, Which makes me think, uh, also something I always say, say yes to everything. <laughs> Until one day you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. All right. I've said yes. yes to a few things over the years that I, I, I look back. No, no, no. Then there's one right day you have jumped, but... But it's like, I, I don't know, I always sort of feel like if you get your foot in the door. That, that was the title of Lee Grant's memoir, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, I said yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs>I Don't Need an Acting Class is conceived and hosted by Milton Justice. Music is generously provided again this season by Jeffrey Keezer. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast if you have not already. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.